millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, we're back. We're going to talk to Kevin Allison from the Risk podcast and the State Comedy Troupe, which you can see episodes of on Hulu. Uh, we talk about his Vipassana meditation retreat. He got back and then the next day came over so we get a fresh brain perspective. All right, before we get right to it, uh, this episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of apps for content creation. Check them out on the Apple App Store, Mic Swap, Audio Master, and Audio Fix for videos. We use the apps for this podcast. That's why it sounds so good. All right, the music behind me is my old band, Setting Sun. As always, I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Kevin Allison. I might play along with the intro today because I'm feeling it. All right, hit it. Hit it. G, 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 take me away. All right. Well, welcome back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> welcome back, meaning from many places. Mm. Welcome back here and 10 days of silence. How long have you been back from Vipassana for now? I came back on Sunday. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. So yesterday, Monday was my first day back in the real world dealing with, you know, work and all that sort of thing. I chose to do something that I think the organization, the Vipassana retreat people, mm -hmm. would frown on uh, from the very beginning. There's a lot of codes of conduct. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk about your thoughts and feelings about all of it. But before I went on the retreat, I determined that I would do mushrooms uh -huh. on my 11th day, on the day that I returned home to my apartment. Okay, you, you you made that promise to yourself. Yes, I had, you know, one of the things is I do microdosing of LSD. I do uh, uh, small bits of LSD once every three days, mm -hmm. about, oh, I don't know, 18 micrograms of LSD once every three days. 
And the thing about if you ever want to have a big trip mm -hmm. on hallucinogens, if you want, ever want to have it, then you have to take some time off from the microdose to get your tolerance up. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So uh, I thought this would be an ideal occasion to do that. I, I, I happened to have a source who had these liquid mushrooms. It's not a tincture. I'm not sure what it is, but. But he had a, uh, gave me a bunch of little bottles of this stuff, and I was like, I'll th I think I'll take two of them. So, so two times a normal mushroom trip on my 11th day. But you were going to wait till you got home. I was going to wait till I got home. Smart. Yeah, and, and had that kind of plan. What I actually planned when I went on the retreat is, we'll see how I feel on the 11th day. That what? sounds much more reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the plan was, once I get home, we'll see if I still think that's a good idea to take yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and in my experience, it was, but I, I'm getting ahead of it. Why don't we go back to the beginning? The reason I went on this retreat to begin with mm -hmm. was that you and I had a conversation I don't know if it was a year ago or two years ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was two years ago. Where we initially had the conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. It, we, we, were, we were having dinner. It was a bunch of people who work for Risk, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And at that time, I had started doing transcendental meditation. Right. I had started doing 20 minutes of TM in the morning and 20 minutes of TM at around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. uh, and if people don't know what that is, transcendental meditation is when you repeat a mantra, a word or a couple of syllables over and over and over again silently in your mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of well-known people who are huge proponents of it. Yeah. Uh, David Lynch is very, very big proponent of it. What I had found after doing TM for about... Um, I don't know, uh, nine months or so, mm -hmm. was that it was calming. Yeah. It was uh, giving my brain a chance to be off its beaten path of running around all over the place. I know what you're going to say. It doesn't go as deep as Vipassana. Right. It, it was, well, you know, I, I had no, literally no idea what Vipassana was until right. it was introduced on the fourth day of this 10-day retreat. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew what it was. Now, I'm, I'm here assuming we didn't talk at all about it. So when you came in, I'm assuming you had a good time. But before you got here, I'm like, maybe he had a horrible time. Oh, you know, I had a little bit of both. What you said to me that night when we were first talking about it, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was too... Two years ago, I think it was a Christmas dinner yeah. uh, for Risk. And you said, I highly recommend you give this a try because this is, you know, going to a whole other level mm -hmm. as far as meditation goes. And you said, now you might end up hating me for having recommended <laughs> it. You might end up hating me halfway through or you might end up hating me, you know, at the very end. <laughs> are, you, are you here to hurt me? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I now would highly recommend this retreat to a lot of people. Yeah. And I will say pretty much the exact same thing you said to me. You mm -hmm. know, that, that, uh, I, what I didn't quite comprehend until it was completely over was that 
discomfort and physical discomfort or mental uh, of discom- all kinds of discomfort mm-hmm. yeah uh, of feeling challenged and outside your comfort zone yeah. is a very important part of the whole thing it it's kind there are aspects of the retreat that are deliberately Mm-hmm. kind of upsetting i think you know the, the, or, or or at least upsetting compared to how we normally live our lives well there's so many aspects of our normal lives that you have to sacrifice to just even be there let alone doing the work of the meditation yes no yes. cell phones no books no anything pen or paper right and no speech no sexual thoughts, no masturbation. Well, here's now, you know, th- that is a big thing that I want to talk about is did they present it to you when you say no sexual thoughts? Mm-hmm. Did they say that to you? Did they word it that way? It's on the list of code of conducts uh-huh. for, for while you're there. Uh-huh. Not uh-huh. code of conducts while you're always practicing, but just for the 10 days that you're there. Right. Well, of course. Uh, uh, I okay. guess on the 11th day, you're free to have sex with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so how long ago did you do it? I did my 10-day in like 2002. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and for anyone who doesn't know, this is through a... Uh, the website is dhamma.org. That's mm-hmm. D-H-A-M-M-A.org. Totally free. It's completely free. It's that students who take this 10-day silent retreat uh, donate because, you know, it meant mm-hmm. so much to them. And, of course, you know, they've got a lot of rich benefactors as well. But mm-hmm. uh, it's completely free. Non-religious, non-secular. Well, that is another thing that mm-hmm. I think is, is... Questionable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? I, I, I think that, that, that you know, the, there are... The whole thing is is presented by this guy named S.N. Goinka, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Who, a uh, Burmese man who has passed away. He passed away in 2013. Mm-hmm. Recently. And so you are actually, throughout this entire 10 days, listening to audio recordings of him. And then at nighttime, when it's time for the discourses, for, you know, an hour of him talking, watching a video of him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just these uh, assistant teachers who are there to a- answer your questions if you have private questions about how your meditation practice is going. Which I thought was really important, so the whole practice doesn't go rogue. In oh, area. yeah. Oh, Thus, yeah. That would happen, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know, like... There are certain rules. For example, mm-hmm. you have to wake up every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Is that for the morning meditation before the food? Because that is correct. There's an optional. That's kind of optional, right? Well, no. I mean, here's the thing. They word it in the directions that you can do it in your own room. That's what I did. Uh, You know, to me, it was interesting because that was one of the three Mm -hmm. areas in which I found myself failing and struggling or failing, struggling, fighting, you know, battling. It was the four o'clock. For the first seven days, I got up at four o'clock in the morning and was pretty good about it. I was just like, I'm a good boy. I'm following the rules, et cetera, et cetera. Now, 
as the days went by, I noticed it, I would go up to the meditation hall where, you know, all where everyone gathers, right? Like it says, yes, you have the option of doing it in your room, but I'm mm -hmm. like, what's the point of getting up at four o'clock in the morning if you're not going to show up? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to just stay in your room, you could just as easily fall back asleep, right? Or at least <laughs> I would tend to, I think. So I would show up in the meditation hall. I, I did it because it was the only time I had where I wasn't surrounded by people. Because ah, my I, cabin would empty out, and then it would just be me there, and I'd be like, this is just what I needed. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. So you were actually in cabins back then. They didn't even have like a men's residence completely set up yet. I, this, I did mine in California. Oh, I see, I yeah. see. Okay, great. I was living great. in Los Angeles Yeah, the Yeah, there are a bunch of these meditation houses that do the same retreat mm -hmm. yeah. all over the world so you didn't share a cabin with other people i shared a room okay. with one man okay. and, and but it was a f pretty nice residence hall you know like, mm -hmm. like uh, from what i understand goinka says that the ideal thing is that everyone would have their own room eventually that 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 you know that's oh. the goal of the to build toward that but for now everyone shares with one roommate but it's a decent bed this you is know? the one in north fork massachusetts in, uh, in uh, shelburne falls shelburne falls yeah. okay so uh yeah i did have a roommate and i was very conscious of the fact that he was a very good boy mm -hmm. you know I, I, when i say very good boy i I mean, he was very much following the directions. Yeah. He was very good about sitting up straight and like, you know, I always had a little bit of an eye on him because he was my roommate, you know? But like you didn't a, make ever make eye contact, no nonverbal communication? No, we had a conversation for about 20 minutes or a half hour before okay. it all started because yeah. we, that's when we were arriving and getting into the room. And then we talked plenty on day 10... On, on day 10, when you're allowed to start talking again, mm -hmm. you know, they release you at a certain point in that day. Did you? Oh, so you had talked to him beforehand, so you kind of had a sense of... Yeah, oh, I, I had a sense that he was a really nice guy, and that he had more meditation experience than I did, mm -hmm. and that he was really uh, intending to go hard at this, even though he'd never learned Vipassana before. Right. Um, so... Yeah, like, going back to what you were saying before, so this fella, Goinka, he's a Burmese fellow, he was a successful businessman banker, I think, in, uh, you know, whatever, the 40s or 50s or something like that, mm -hmm. in Burma, had migraines, went all over the world to doctors, tried to get the migraines fixed, couldn't, no one could do anything, mm -hmm. then a friend told him, look, there's this guy in Burma, in your hometown, who teaches... A form of meditation which is so pure and exact to the instructions that Buddha, that, you know, Siddhartha Gautama right. laid out that 90% of the Buddhist world doesn't follow, has lost sight of how to do this particular meditation. Now, if that's... I, I'm, I'm sure that scholars of Buddhism might argue with what I just described, but that's the way it's kind of presented to you, that, hey, we've got the pure, real way to do it that the man himself laid down 2,500 years ago, and we are going to show you how to, how to do it quite strictly. Right. When I hear that kind of stuff, I immediately get defensive and my suspects go up. Because yes. I'm sure everyone's like, oh, this is the best. This is the pure way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There are 
And, and you are even told at a certain point, there are other people who call other forms of meditation vipassana. Mm. That's not quite the same thing, which is pretty much what you find in Buddhism with all, all, all kinds of meditation. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does feel pure to me because it doesn't involve anything but your own breath. It's like the simplest practice to practice. Well, the first, the first, the first three and a half days were what you just described yeah. uh, what's called anapana or anapara uh, it's focusing only on the breath mm -hmm. and he gets more specific as the days go by at first it's just focus on your breath mm -hmm. then it's focus on all the sensations going through your nostrils and what the area around your face where breath might be happening then on the third day, it's now focus just on the area between the rim of your nostrils and the top of your upper lip mm -hmm. and just on the actual physical sensations that are occurring because of the breath. In other words, itchiness, swelling, coolness, contraction, whatever physical sensations you're feeling in that, in that like, quarter inch of an area of which, your face which is happening to us all every day right and we're not noticing exactly yeah. exactly and then on the fourth day mm -hmm. there's a big change and that is when goinka introduces everyone to vipassana it turns out that what you were doing in those first three and a half days mm -hmm. was training yourself to become more aware right of physical sensation in a specific area to, to laser focus your brain on physical sensation on a particular it's area of your all body. all a buildup. It's like your awareness muscle is just starting to be worked out. Yes. Because then on day four, when he introduces you to Vipassana, he says, you know, here, Vipassana, here's the way Buddha really wanted you to meditate, was to take a little frame, almost like a, almost like the circle of light that might come out of a flashlight or the frame of a, of a movie camera and to focus it on a particular little part of your body. He starts at the top of the head. So, for example, you could start right at the very center of the top of your head and start focusing on what are the physical sensations there. Mm -hmm. um, swelling, itching, tingling. Uh, but don't react to them. But don't react. Mm -hmm. That is the key thing. That What you start to do as you go through the meditation, you spend an hour or an hour and a half just taking that circle of awareness or that frame of awareness and moving it gradually over your entire surface of your body mm -hmm. and you come to blind spots for me always the first big blind spot were the shoulders where i'm just like it's numb i'm not feeling any I, you know i might as well be a dead zone there <laughs> or, or anesthetized or something um you gotta wait and wait and wait and then okay i feel a little tingling or something there and then you move down you know so you and then you go down to the feet and then back up to the head and then down to the feet and you know covering the whole body i always wondered if that tingling sensation you start to feel is just the bugs that are crawling all over your skin <laughs> <laughs> well i did wonder like what the hell would they do if they had a bu bed bug infestation <laughs> oh my god i'm so aware on the first day <laughs> all this tingling <laughs> um 
But yeah, apparently the point, the main point of it all mm-hmm. is that non-reaction. Is yep. observing. Yeah. Don't uh, quantify it with a reaction. Exactly. Don't be pissed off mm-hmm. if you can't feel anything in your shoulder. Don't be thrilled if you've got wonderful tingling in your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Don't be uh, annoyed if you've got a terrible pain in your back from having sad for an hour and a half. Just observe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did right. singing ever get on you? Well, my God, <laughs> Gary. I'm t- now, that is an example right there of one of the mind-fucky things that I think there is about, about the whole thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, tell, tell me. Yeah, tell me this. Thing. You have to listen to hours of this man singing. Yeah. In ancient Pali, the words of Buddha. And the funny thing about ancient Pali is it's, it, it is an old dead language. And most of the sounds are just like... It's like you're inside the belly of a toad. It's just... <laughs> It's not a good sound. <laughs> and he even joked about it in one of the discourses. In one of the discourses, he said, oh, my God. So there you are. You're sitting there. You're feeling uncomfortable. You're like, oh, my God. When is this hour? Or is this one an hour and a half? When's it going to end? <laughs> and finally, you hear me start singing again. And you're like, oh, God, God, we'll be able to relax soon. Well, there were a couple of occasions. And most of them were the four o'clock in the morning meditations mm-hmm. where... You've been sitting there for an hour and 15 minutes, and he starts singing, and then the singing goes on for like a half hour or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like every now and then, there was something like that where you're just like, this is just deliberately <laughs> trying to test my patience, you know? You think that's part of it? I, You know, I don't officially think that that's the, the, the idea that he has behind the singing, but when you think about it... There really is something a little bit mystical about the singing because mm-hmm. we can't understand a word he's singing. Right. So he says, oh, this is non-sectarian, etc., etc., except that he's singing these sacred Buddhist chants that we can't even understand. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of ceremony and mysticalness there you know what i mean yeah but there's no deity involved there's nothing outside of yourself that's right that's right but there definitely Mm -hmm. is some i wouldn't say dogma but i would say mm, strictures Right, Mm -hmm. he lays down that uh, there's sila, samadhi, and panya. Uh, I think sila is your morality. Samadhi, I think, is your engagement with the world, Mm -hmm. and I I think that's right. And I think panya is your practice, your meditation practice. Did that aspect of it rub you the wrong way? The sila part. Uh The sila part. You have to 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 follow his quotations yeah you have to vow sila at the beginning and it's like five vows one is um you won't steal you won't kill you won't lie you won't have sexual misconduct was the way it was worded for our thing Mm -hmm. and i took that to mean you won't masturbate or you won't have sex with anyone here Mm -hmm. i did not hear the message you won't have sexual thoughts um if i had heard that 
that would have been a very, very fascinating change to, to my entire 10 days. Well, the way I read it was you're just cleansing yourself of all stimulation. We've uh, taken in enough stimulation, so don't add anything else. No music, no books. Right. Sexual thought is all part of it. All these things that you take in. Well, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that with all of those things, they're loaded with either craving or aversion. What right. you're trying to avoid at all times is something that gives you great comfort or some or, or reacting to something that gives you great comfort mm -hmm. or reacting to something that you fear or dislike you know uh, yeah. craving or aversion you're trying to react to everything equanimitably and so sexual thoughts are obviously pretty bits, much in there with the craving, craving. yeah <laughs> yeah, so, yeah yeah and yet for me like so much of my identity and my um, persona out in the world mm -hmm. and my sense of self and all that sort of thing is tied up in being a kinky, sex positive, you know, let us have no shame about um, you know, weird proclivities, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then it really pertains to you because it's all about shedding all that outside stuff and getting to your... Inner. And it was perturbing to me because I found myself having sexual thoughts mm -hmm. a lot. Now, I think what I was really seeing was that I just naturally have sexual thoughts a lot. But when you shut everything else down, when you shut off all other stimulus, the ability to talk, the ability to read or anything like that... Um, that was the place, that and fear of Donald Trump having just been elected president were the two places. And so that's interesting. It we, was craving and aversion. Well, you weren't there over November no, 8th, right? No, it was, it was, he had, Trump had been elected and then about a week later you I went on the retreat. Okay. So I had signed up for the retreat assuming. Yeah. That I would be going in the comfortable, peaceful knowledge that the election was finally over and Hillary was going to be president and I could relax and focus on other things. They pretty much guaranteed that that session would be sold out. Oh, my <laughs> or God. Filled since it's yeah. Not on sale. yeah, exactly. It's kind of the perfect timing. Great oh. way to deal with it. And I, I, you know, it turned out I desperately needed it because mm -hmm. that week after he was elected, I was devastated and horrified and you know i mean it was just so it continues to be so like holy fucking shit what does this mean mm -hmm. you know what's coming you right, know what i yeah. mean especially because the uh, the campaign was so went into such ugly territory that mm -hmm. we're not used to uh, seeing people allow themselves to go in the modern political yeah. uh, scene in America. So, yeah, it was just very, 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 very frightening to me. And I couldn't get my mind off. I couldn't stop reading Twitter and Facebook and news and while bad you're there? news. No, no, no. I didn't have access to oh, those good. things you, while you I was there. You left right. your phone behind and yes. everything. Great. Yeah, you have That's to good. hand your phone in. So let, let's get back to this because uh, we all crave, like, you know, everyday life is full of just cravings and cravings, little ones, big ones, whether it's career stuff, love, affection, a cigarette, whatever. So your craving that you found was sexually oriented. Yeah, absolutely. Did you think about it as just a craving or just? 
No, I would, you know, at first I wasn't really thinking about it at all. I was just like, at for during the first three days or so, I would find myself specifically thinking about the butts of guys that I've played with in the past, you know, few years. And, um, they would just pop into your head. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's just something, you know, that's, 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 everyone knows Kevin loves butts, you know? So, so, <laughs> so that's, uh, I, I joke about it in right. my stories that, that, that's where my mind is apt to go. And indeed, here I was witnessing what happens to my mind when everything else goes away. And yeah, there's, there's a habit pattern there. See, uh, I had, I had just random stuff pop up. Uh -huh. Just random junk pop songs that I hadn't thought about. Just <laughs> random lyrics. Very. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I saw that too, especially in the first few days mm -hmm. of yeah. like, you know, a lot of what pops into your mind doesn't even necessarily. It's almost like a dream where you know it's just like. I don't know why I'm thinking about that, but okay, you back know, to, back to the breath. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, it, it, after a while I became pretty conscious of, Oh, I fall back into thinking about butts mm -hmm. and sex. Um, as a sort of habitual pattern. And yes, of course that's about craving. Of course that's about comfort. That is, um, that's my happy place. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, uh, that's where I like to go, uh, to feel, you know, it's almost like a security blanket sort of place to go. Um, and so, yeah, there's a bit of an addiction to it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it really prickles my, my sense of, Mm, everything to have someone telling me don't think that you know what i mean mm -hmm. because that's how i was raised very very religious and in roman catholicism that's what i told myself for you know when i was eight nine ten eleven you know those years i was really struggling with being gay mm -hmm. um you went to a religious school and everything? Oh, yeah. I went to a Catholic schools. My parents are still extremely Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, very just immersed in Catholicism. And I was convinced during those tween years that I had to... Well, actually, really, even kindergarten, I remember, thinking to myself don't think that stop thinking that you know like and, and having been trained but it's different because you were told to stop thinking because it was wrong because right. like the devil's thinking inside of you right right but here it's more with the vipassana it's more about stopping every thought except for the breath right 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 well i mean that i i i think that that's a I like that interpretation of it, but uh -huh. that wasn't quite what I took away from how he described Sila or Sheila, as he pronounced it. Uh -huh. uh, that the way he said it was, you have these things called sankaras in you, which are complected bits of energy that have to do with your deepest cravings and aversions. Mm -hmm. And that... When you feel something especially unpleasant in while you're doing your vipassana, it is those very sankaras, those little 
atoms of energy tied to your craving, your addiction to this, or your aversion to that. Uh, and, and they're trying to like burst out of you, and that's why they might feel a little bit painful. I see where you got, yeah. And you're trying to, according to Goinka, as far as I understood it, you're trying to break that chain. So he literally said, hmm. if you go out and do engage in sexual misconduct after the retreat, then fuck it. You've just destroyed all your work. You've just like added, you, the, the, you've added to the chain of Sankara's uh, and they start adding up exponentially, and the idea is to uh, purify yourself and get rid of them, so that actually uh, giving up some of the stuff that you crave or are used to being so fearful of uh, entirely is, I think, uh, what his ultimate path was. Someone told me, uh -huh. That if you want to do now, this might just be a rumor. Here's the, here's another thing about this retreat: is everyone has very different experiences of yep. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very different. So that's why when I talk about the retreat with people, like especially like I'll say it right here, right now in this recording, um, I encourage people to go because the way I'm interpreting it right now, mm -hmm. it might be very very different from the experience that you know you had or that yeah. someone else might have would there be anybody that you would say maybe you shouldn't like you like acid you wouldn't recommend acid for everybody <sighs> yeah i i mean officially officially i think everyone could benefit from this mm -hmm. but i think so too yeah, yeah yeah um but i don't know if you're on psychotropic medications or Oh, yeah. I don't know if you would even be allowed to if you were on antidepressants mm -hmm. or stuff like that. I mean, they do ask you that. I filled out that I did not say in my application that, mm -hmm. uh, that I microdose, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but you didn't do it while you were there. No, I didn't do it while I was there. I took time off. Um, but I did admit that I have done mushrooms and LSD sure. and that and that occasionally I smoke pot and that I used to drink alcohol, you know. Um, so it's probably most of the people there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so, oh, what I was going to say was someone told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, mm -hmm. that if you want to take the 20-day course, they literally ask you about your sex life and that if you have had sex outside of a monogamous relationship within the past i don't know maybe year or so uh you're not hmm. you're you're not clean enough to come into the program really yeah that that i don't know if that's true or not but someone said that um we so, should we should check and find out because i know they offer 30-day courses 60-day courses they like, they offer at, at the one the shelburne falls one there's a 30-day there's a 45-day and yeah there are even longer ones in some places imagine 60 days in silence it's crazy. Was Goenka sexless? No, he had a wife. He did have a wife. He had a wife, yeah. So if he's having sex and he's the whole head of this whole thing, it must be okay, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's just that he is a, you know, the guy that you're seeing on the video mm -hmm. is whatever, 60 or 70 years old, and he's from Burma. You know what I mean? I mean, so this guy is raised in a very, very conservative traditional mm. uh you know if he comes from a uh, 
place where sex is thought of from a, a very different mindset than say people of my generation do you know like like I'm a person who believes in open relationships and casual relationships and well it's getting into the zone of if it's none of your business and it doesn't hurt anybody else right what's not in your business right. why and try and dictate it right I did so so I think for me like what what I'm always uh, so fascinated with in myself is the struggle with the gray areas mm -hmm. and that is oh okay so i have seen that this is a comfortable place for me to go back to all this sexual thinking mm -hmm. um maybe i can find ways to pull back on it or refrain from it or change some of the way that I have sex, you know, based on having looked at this, you know, like it did occur to me during my mushroom trip at the end on the 11th day, I thought to myself, Oh, I think I see what I'm seeing. It's that most of the sex that I have, I mostly the volition, the thinking that I'm having is, Ooh, let me have that. Let me get that rather than, Ooh, what can the two of us create together? And what can I give to you? You know what I mean? You're looking at it as a craving rather than a process of something. Yeah, a, a, a co-creation mm -hmm. of, uh, of giving, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is something you're much more likely to be able to produce within mm -hmm. a more serious relationship. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if that's what you're looking for. If that's what you're looking I haven't been in a real serious relationship in uh, six years or so. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So... So, yeah, it was just it kind of very interesting for me to think, huh, when I next have sex, how might I be more mindful about uh, the way I'm the way I'm craving things and how I'm the, the volition I'm bringing to being there with that other person and creating something together? Have you thought? Of, so are you looking for a relationship or open to one? I'm open to one. I'm not actively looking for one. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm 46 years old and I'm just kind of at a place in life where I'm like, I don't know that actively looking for a relationship is, I mean, I guess it works for some people, but, mm. but I, uh, you know, well, cause we're talking about craving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're but there's also, especially noticeable here in New York, where it could be such a playground, there's a lot of aversion. Aversion yeah. to intimacy. Yeah. Aversion to relationships, because that has to do with intimacy. Yeah. So that would be a question I'll pro propose to you, is, all right, you've noticed these craving of butts, but, and it's like, I must have them, mm -hmm. but is there an aversion to a more intimate? intimate? Yeah. That's a really, really, really good question. I think that there is. I think that there is. Because the cravings are easy to notice. The aversions are a little more subtle. Mm, what, yeah. What we're trying to, you know, keep away for maybe it's it's hard to be vulnerable, and you have to be vulnerable in yeah. an intimate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, you have to be vulnerable, and you have to give some of your own stuff up mm -hmm. you know which was you know uh, another thing that this course you know the course teaches you oh my gosh i have to get up at four o'clock in the morning oh my gosh i have to sit in this uncomfortable position you know I well that was the thing with me with the little cravings was 
I'd be getting deep into the meditation, then I'd feel a little itch on my shoulder or a little, and I'm like, do I scratch it? You're not supposed to scratch no, it. You no. just observe the itch. Right. And don't say, I have to scratch it. You just, oh, there's an itch there. Back to the breathing. Yes. And it always goes away without scratching it. Yeah. Oh, of For course. Me, Everything arises right. and passes away. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's an amazing thing to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But And then I started to wonder, what are these little scratches that I think I need to address and little pivots that I think my body needs to do? If I if I don't do them, they go away. But why are they even popping up? Yeah, it's it, like little aversions it, it, to the meditation. It's squirming. It's squirming. Yeah, yeah. But like for me. Yeah. So I mentioned that four o'clock in the morning was one of my big breakdowns. Craving for butts was another breakdown. The third was Did I, you, have, you had guilt associated with the butt craving. Yes, because I just I always I shame around sex is just a mm. uh, an issue of mine throughout my whole fucking life, mm -hmm. and it really goes back to Catholicism. So here to to hear sexual thoughts referred to within a religious or a, within at least a spiritual context, yeah, was ringing some of those old bells for me, right? Na naturally. Um. So yeah. So so the, those two things I was struggling with and then the other was I asked for a chair on day one oh. now I hurt myself I used to live just a block or so from here uh, I had a big bed bug crisis and uh, this was three years ago was moving out as quickly as I possibly could was just all traumatized by the bed bugs and one day I was uh, running down the stairs with a big box of tons of stuff and slipped and fell bam 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 on oh. my back down a flight of stairs and really hurt my shoulder it's still i still don't have full use of my shoulder um didn't was not aware or, or at least don't remember being so aware that i hurt my back at the time but i think i did and i think i should still have the goddamn thing looked at you know mm -hmm. what i mean so those the first when I first talked to the assistant, because they call you about a week before the course to make sure you really are prepared to do this. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think I might need a chair. And he said, well, we really encourage you to try the mats first, but there are other seating possibilities mm -hmm. that are available. He, was, he tried to be very vague about it, the assistant teacher. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
And so I went, and the first day I was squirming and squirming, you know, feeling that back pain, feeling that. And I have no ass either. With, uh, like, literally, like, no uh, fucking ass at all for ballast, which uh, makes it hard on my legs and everything. Like, yeah, just everything is just, I don't have much physical endurance mm-hmm. is what it boils down to. And so I was doing all that squirming you're talking about. Yeah. And I went to the guy and I said, I, I could really use a chair. Now, it's only 70-year-olds in the chairs on the side of the, uh, of the room, right? right? And here I am, 46, and I'm asking <laughs> for one. And he's like, I really need to encourage you to try a few more days without it. Uh, you know, if, if it's really horrific, you know, then we don't want you to not be able to concentrate at all. Mm-hmm. But give it another day at least. So on the third day, I came back and I asked for the chair a second time. You did, okay. And I got it. Now, it wasn't until a few days later that, and it wasn't until even really the very end that I realized, oh, when I started talking to other people and when, when other people were able to start talking about their experience, I was like, oh, the pain from having to sit straight in one posture without adjusting it at all for an hour and an hour and a half is a big part of what makes Vipassana work or not, mm-hmm. right? That, a lot of that back pain or that squirmy pain, you know, like you were just saying, you know, you want to squirm and then the squirming doesn't really seem to have helped anything because mm-hmm. the pain would have gone away anyway. It's yeah. always arising and passing. So the squirming is just kind of a, I don't know, it's just a kiddish aversion reaction. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. I began to realize, oh, I lessened my experience by taking the easy way out, by taking a chair. Did you end up giving up the chair on the... I didn't give up the chair. I kept the chair the whole damn time. But my roommate did something very smart, because he was also having serious back pain. Mm -hmm. He asked for a chair on the fourth day, but he asked for an option. So he had the chair and his mat in front of him, and most of the time, he chose the mat, right? Mm -hmm. And he was clearly going through more serious Vipassana uh, experience than I was mm. because he was facing pain and, and, and not, and not falling back on back support, you know? Yeah. But okay. So two questions is sitting cross-legged in the meditation pose good for your back or is it bad for your back? <sighs> I really don't know. And here's one thing that amazes me, because I Googled this afterwards, uh, after the whole retreat. There should be specific workouts for Mm. meditators to develop their butt and back and core strength for better sitting. You know what I mean? Core strength, definitely. the, The thing of it is, is that it's weird Some people, if they're sitting cross-legged, prefer to have their knees elevated a little bit. Mm -hmm. And some people prefer to have their knee, their butt higher than their knees. Mm, Right. So you'll see people with these, all these little mats and pillows, you know, creating little mountains and little, you know, like there's every, there's little stools, there's little back jacks, there's all kinds of things that people use. But me being in a chair, which I brought my 
the pillow from my bed <laughs> and a couple of pillows to like, you know, like smaller pillows to really give the, the bottom of my back some back support. So I was sitting up straight mm-hmm. and I was definitely feeling pain in my butt from just being tired of sitting all the sure. time. Even on the chair is just un- uncomfortable. I'm sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and I did notice that the times I was most uncomfortable mm-hmm. and just maintaining my awareness and my keeping on keeping on you know that's another thing you mentioned you feel a tickle in your shoulder and it's really you know rattling you and maybe maybe it's a maybe a you know sometimes you feel a nerve go or something like that you know but wherever your awareness is on your body at that time mm-hmm. you're not supposed to leave there you know you're, you're supposed if you if your awareness is on huh i'm not feeling any tickling or anything in my right shoulder and then all of a sudden you get a stabbing pain in your gut you're supposed to continue just focusing on hmm still not feeling anything in my right shoulder <laughs> well you just you just go back to your breath yep you go back to the breath and you might notice the nerve in your shoulder but you don't assign it a quantitative feeling of good or bad right uncomfortable it just is right right that's right that's the hard strange part but it always goes away yeah but i think if there is a way where you're sitting and it's detrimental to your back and you have bad vertebrae or something like you can't ignore biology and physiology either well you know rick the the guy who was the assistant teacher he was probably about 70 years old Mm -hmm. and he he said I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I'd be a hypocrite if I, if I, I, he said, I have a bad knee and I use a chair myself and I meditate just fine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, uh, they were probably just testing you out and make sure you just weren't being lazy. Well, I'll tell you what, to a certain extent I was, and I do want to do this retreat again. Mm -hmm. And when I do it again, I do want to. I think I do want to ask for a chair again, but I want to do what my roommate did and also have a mat in front of me that I can use instead of the chair and choose the mat as much as I possibly can. I think if I did this again, it would be like a year from now, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe same time around Thanksgiving. And maybe between now and then I can get used to, to a certain extent, you know, sitting out without a chair. But the, the mind fuck part of it, is that if you do have both, your brain somewhere that doesn't want to deal with the work of meditation will be like, oh, well, I'm uncomfortable now. I could just go get up and go on the chair, and that'll, <laughs> that'll kill 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> right? Because sure. your brain trace tri- plays tricks on you. You don't know if your shoulder is itchy or if you're just trying to not meditate because it's so hard to just focus on your own breath, the most yeah. basic thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all aversion. Well, you know, like what's interesting to me about what you're saying is that when we when we were taught it, the, the way I understood it was that the breath focusing on the breath was just the first 3 days mm-hmm. and that after that one was supposed to focus on the breath only if the mind got completely carried away and taken out of the meditate, you know, like all of a sudden you found, oh my God, I've been fantasizing about butts for five minutes. Here. You go back to the basic breath. Right. Then you go back and then you get back into the Vipassana. Yeah. But, but my understanding was that for most people, like, you know, once we got to Vipassana on the fourth day, that most people were focused almost in, not returning to the breath, but were focused almost entirely on running that little frame of awareness over various parts of their body yeah. to, to feel the sensations. And 
eventually what happens, once you get really, really good at this, apparently, or really, really experienced at this, is supposedly, or for some people, uh, you don't have any more blind spots, so mm -hmm. that you can run that, that frame of awareness over yourself rather quickly and just follow along this, like, almost like bubbling river of sensations going all over your body. And that from there, then you start going through the body. That mm -hmm. people can swish back and forth from left to right, from up to down, uh, through internal organs, etc., and experience all these sensations. Um, did, did, my memory might be a little faulty because it's been a while, but did he talk about each little trauma in our lives or each little trouble being like a little blockage inside our body and the meditation is kind of digging those out? Yes. Yeah. That's what he meant by those like Sankara things. And, and I, I, I'm so new. Like mm -hmm. w w the, the one thing that I said to everyone on the day we could finally talk to each other was I was like, wow, I'm, I'll tell you what, I am aware that I'm very new. You know, I don't feel like I went even as far into this as many newcomers mm. do go mm -hmm. because of falling back on comforts and getting caught up in cravings and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but. Yes, he, he 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 did describe these sankaras as being the blind spots or or the deeply deeply rooted problematic stuff in you mm -hmm. that you know if if only you could just become more and more aware and go feel it and let it out and you know and be okay with it being released you know mm -hmm. that I've, I've told us that story on this podcast before about my six day experience was yeah. when i had the childhood memory pop up and it popped into my head as real as yesterday it was like so clear and it was something very bad and it was something that i had repressed and it popped up and i just saw it and i felt it and i totally remember being a kid being in that situation and just tears just started pouring down my face wow and i had this urge like i have to talk to someone about this i can't believe this holy shit i can't believe this happened that's right of course i remember this what the hell how did i repress it and that was my big epiphany for my experience wow and i definitely felt like i was just digging in there and did did you talk to anyone about it no i just talked to my girlfriend at the time uh-huh yeah was she on the retreat she was. Oh, okay. Yep. Afterwards. So you talked to her it. afterwards. But right. it was, yeah, it was too messy to talk about. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, that's fascinating. That, I, didn't, I didn't talk to the retreat, oh, to the people there. Right. To the, to the assistant teacher. Yeah. That's totally fascinating to me. And that is, I think, what most people kind of expect that, that, I mean, that's very literal, you know, that something's going to pop up, like literally kind of a repressed memory. Mm -hmm. um, Nothing that didn't happen for you? No, I didn't, I didn't have memories of anything that I hadn't remembered in a long time or mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, perhaps if I did it again next year, I would, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I imagine so, especially if you keep it up even a little bit. Yeah. You'll just get deeper and deeper. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's a mysterious and fascinating and um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And I, 
hope that I can keep doing it and that I can keep going deeper, but that also I can reconcile for myself, um, you know, like, like as far as the whole butts and sex and stuff like that, things go uh, to, to, I mean, I think everyone has their own, everyone has their own definitions of what too much of this or too, uh, this or that is, you know what I mean? Everyone Mm -hmm. like, some people who have drinking problems, for example, actually can learn to moderate, you know, mm-hmm. or... Um, some people can't touch it at all. Exactly, yeah. right. So so that I think that there are, you know, for like when you say sexual misconduct, like that that's the way it was worded with us. I thought, well, one man's definition of sexual misconduct yeah. is totally different from another's, you Absolutely, know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, kind of... You know, learning from the material, but not getting too weirded out about being so uh, specifically, uh, still allowing myself the the room to be me to the extent that Mm -hmm. I want to be me. Well, I think with any practice, you have to, you know, massage a little bit so it works for you. Yeah. But um, I had a theme... I mean, just doing all the meditation, I would come to this theme of my existential part of being like, everything is pointless. What's the point of anything? This is how I felt when I did it uh-huh. you know, over 10 years ago. Uh-huh. I think I might have changed from that person, but uh-huh. I used to be, and I'd be in the deep meditation and just be like, everything is sad. Oh, And like that kind of feeling kept coming up for me. And then the childhood memory popping up. Wow. Kind of just like, yeah, and I don't know if I'm like that. I don't know if that... I'm that person anymore. But yeah. that was my recurring feeling that I kept having. I'm like, why am I just so, you know, at, at the bottom of everything, this is what it is, nothing. Right. Well, that, that I, I, I've struggled with that in Buddhism too, that, that kind of, this spiritual concept that is sometimes thrown around, I don't know if this is the way it's, this is the way they say it in the Landmark Forum, which is kind of stealing a, an idea that is kind of essentially Buddhist, which is, Life is empty and meaningless, and it's Mm -hmm. empty and meaningless that it's empty and meaningless, right? So, you know, a lot of people hear that, and they're like, well, that's kind of a bummer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, It feels like, oh, so there's nothing to really be passionate about, nothing to seek, nothing to, um, you know, make meaning out of or whatever. I think what 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 that concept means is... uh, choose meaning you know or create you make your own meaning. meaning yeah 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 Yeah, that's kind of a big thing that i got out of it yeah was well i can say everything's useless and worthless or i can be like i'll make make it worth it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now i'm curious what happened to you after the retreat like like did you keep meditating did you ever think of going mm-hmm. back I thought of going to three days. I went to a one day that uh-huh. they had here in the city. Uh-huh. And um, I really realized I hate his singing. Oof. Because <laughs> it wasn't... <laughs> in the one day, it's not deep enough to be so tortured that his singing is a release. Or a relief. <laughs> Boy, I, but um, yeah, I, I practice it, you know, even just for five minutes at a time in the subway, just focusing on the breath and seeing if that'll take you deep to the tingling and sensations of your body. Mm. 
I love it because it can, can be done anywhere yeah. at any time. I mean, I'm not, I don't stick stricter where I have to be sitting on the ground cross-legged. I'll do it lying down Yeah, a lot. As long as I'm comfortable and I can keep focused on the breath and see where it goes. He mentioned, actually, that uh, in one of his discourses, he said, you know, if, you're ever, if you ever have insomnia, that it's nice to just lay there and just kind of like go into some of the sensations in parts of your body. exactly when I use it the most, I would say. If I can't sleep or I wake up early, I'll uh. do that. And then even if I don't get the sleep, my body has gotten the rest. Uh-huh. You know how Buddhists, when they meditate so much, they barely sleep? Uh-huh. It's a similar mind and body relaxation, I think. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a good experience from it. I had a good experience, but I had a very challenging experience. It's, uh, you know, the no talking, I, w- I had to laugh at first because the no talking at first reminded me of a Bergman movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's a, Were you, you thinking know, about that during the meditation? <laughs> I was thinking of it whenever we had lunch because, uh-huh. you know, everyone, no one would make eye contact. There was just the clinking of the, of the dishes. You hear and, every little sound. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how, how heightened our awareness gets. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it just felt like, oh, someone has died and no one's talking to each other. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, but I really didn't mind the no talking. Um, what, what were the biggest struggles were four o'clock in the morning? You know, what happened was my big, my big breakdown. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk about my, I'll, I'll talk about my big breakdown and I'll talk about like a, a really hopeful moment in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about this big breakdown. It was on the eighth day. Uh, on the eighth day, uh, uh, on the seventh day, I was you know, looking around at everyone else at four o'clock in the morning and being like, no one's in the goddamn main hall. Everyone's choosing to do it in their rooms, mm-hmm. which makes me suspect that everyone's actually asleep and not getting up at four <laughs> o'clock in the fucking morning. So it was that voice in my head that was starting to get like <laughs> resentful, right? Mm-hmm. And so on the eighth day at around 5 p.m., for some reason I decided to try something I hadn't done the whole prior eight days, which was to have a cup of coffee at 5 p.m. They served coffee. They have, it's mostly decaffeinated tea, Mm -hmm. but they did have some green tea. And I would often have green tea at lunchtime, which is, which is, has some caffeine in it, Mm -hmm. but not much. Yeah. But they also had Taster's Choice instant coffee. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to treat myself on the eighth day. I'm going to have this coffee at 5 p.m., right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then went into Vipassana for the 6 o'clock meditation, and then there's a 7 and yada, yada, yada. And those were especially intense because coffee... Mm -hmm. prickles at your entire central nervous system and starts getting all kinds of sensations going. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an artificial Vipassana jump starter. (laughs) Mm. Did did it help you focus? It helped me. Yeah, it it did. It did, but but not uh, in an artificial way, you know, not not in a way that I'd recommend. It stops you from going deeper into the subconscious, I think, Uh, or the unconscious. Probably, it's maybe more just stuck on the sensations themselves without, I don't know, I don't know what my analysis of it would be, but the the meditation was intense feeling. Mm -hmm. Let's just say it felt really plugged in and intense. Uh, And then his discourse that night was especially inspiring, and so 
on the eighth night, no sleep whatsoever. Not a moment of sleep. I couldn't get to sleep. So and that was, but the eighth night was when you had the coffee. Yeah. So maybe the coffee just kept you up. Oh yeah, the coffee and that the vipassana that we did before bedtime and his discourse had just lit me up. And all of a sudden, now I couldn't get to sleep. So and you just lied there for hours. I just lied there for uh, from nine thirty, and I, at four o'clock when they rang the bell, I was like, "Fuck it, I am not getting up. I'm going to continue <laughs> to try to sleep." Like I had really, it was it was kind of a breakdown moment, not being mm-hmm. able to get to sleep that night. And so the ninth day. Well, what did you do while you were battling the insomnia? Well, I just kept trying to sleep. I mean, I even found that trying to do what he was saying, like going into Vipassana or whatever, mm-hmm. was, I don't know, I was just like, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to sleep, uh-huh. you know? Right. So, yeah, I was I was really having a breakdown that yeah. night. And the ninth day, I was like, it was, it was, <laughs> that was like the walking dead. I had maybe my most amazing meditation that day because I was like, I was struggling against being so sleepy. Yeah. So I really had to focus to do it. And, you know, the one I did at like one in the afternoon or two or something like that was like a really, really good one. But I could see how it can work to your advantage because you don't have the energy to fight the meditation. Right, right, right. And, and you're, and you're using, you're using extra resources of energy to be there, you Mm, know? Right. Um, and then, so, so, so it all was good, you know, on the 10th and 11th day, I was fine and getting back up at four o'clock in the morning with mm-hmm. everyone again. I couldn't believe they make you get up at four o'clock in the morning on the 11th day just to check out. Just, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but anyway. Do, did you have any, because I remember I felt on the eighth or ninth day around there, I didn't want it to end. Uh, no, I never had the sense that I didn't want it to end. Okay. I was very, very much like, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> ready to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Was there anything you were craving? Like the first thing I want to do when I get out of here? Um, no, uh, my mind was very much on, I want to get home and do mushrooms and see if that, if it gives me new insight into this whole experience. Um, I didn't masturbate for the next few days, even, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I kind of left that nozzle shut off for a little while to mm-hmm. have some more time to think about that. Uh, and I'm still processing, obviously, you know, yeah. um, uh, yeah, the, 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 Mushroom trip was really interesting. When I got home, you know, I fed the cat and spent some time with him. And then I was like, all right, let's do this. And that, at that point, it was like 2.45 in the afternoon. I was like, if I take a double, you know, like two of these little bottles of mushroom extract or whatever, um, it'll be like double a normal trip. And let, let's see what I get out of that. And Were you uh, going to try and meditate on it? No, I I thought that that might be a mistake. Mm -hmm. I thought that that might be putting a hat on a hat. Well, did you have activities planned for your trip? No, I was just going to rest. I was just going to like, you know, take it, lay back in bed and see what occurred to my mind. Uh 
So I did. I took it. I sat upright in bed for a while, and then eventually I was laying down. And what I w- what was happening was there were these waves of pounding energy. Um, it was kind of like it was coming from around me and inside me, and it was kind of to a beat, like I guess a heartbeat mm-hmm. of pounding energy. And although it, I didn't hear a voice in my head, I still got this message that was coming out of this pounding. This pounding was... Um, it was, it was not, it, it, it was not upsetting. Mm-hmm. It was more like powerful. It was, it was more like, you know, like. Does it feel like a heart pumping, like your blood Yeah, pumping? yeah, yeah. Like, like a good powerfulness mm-hmm. in this pounding. And the, the words I got in my head from what I was hearing from, not literally hearing, but yet hearing was peace is power Mm. was this message i just kept hearing that peace is power and what i was what i kind of took away from it was this idea that be compassionate to yourself be compassionate to others rest assured Mm -hmm. that there's a middle way for everything and that you know one can relax more and more about this craving or that aversion and one can become more and more equanimitable and more peaceful and that there's power in that and that you can really thrive on that and flourish on that and mm-hmm. do well with that that that's that that'll guide you through i i, I see for me i feel like there's a happy medium because yes it's great to do that and to be that and not let things affect you to be like the rock that the stream flows over but we don't want to be monks we want, no. to, we want to enjoy life and experience ups and downs and get involved in things that make us feel passionate. So, so you crave to be better at your art. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, what, what you say is really interesting. Like, you know, one of my biggest heroes in the world of art is um, mm-hmm. Dylan, who said, once you get to the place in your career where you feel like, all right, I'm content. He mm. said, then you've lost it. <laughs> Time for a new career. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, this morning I opened my laptop. And I was like, all right, I'm going to let myself look at a picture of a guy's butt for the first time in like, you know, however many, 15 days or so. Are you, is this like the next 10 days? <laughs> Day four, I looked at butts. <laughs> And it was so funny because looking at this picture, I was like, oh, my God, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You know what I mean? So, yes, yes, there is is a middle path. We don't want to be monks. Exactly. Um, But these are great tools to have. Absolutely. To to work your way toward Mm -hmm. uh, less craving and less aversion, if not the perfection of being someone who no longer has sexual thoughts or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, the, the picture's falling off the wall. You grab the hammer and you nail it back on, you know, but then you go on about your day chasing butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So you, it was a good experience and you did get something out of it. I do sense that you're a little frustrated 
Oh, or no. still figuring something no, out. No, definitely still figuring things out. Okay. Definitely. That, that's, I just got through a session with my therapist where we talked about it for an hour and a half, and I wanted to come over here to talk about it because I'm still working with all this. You mm-hmm. know, um, I've been sitting for an hour. Uh, for the past couple of mornings and intend to do it regularly now. So you're doing it a night one as well? No, he says you should do an hour in the morning and an hour at night. And I don't know how uh, that could fit into my lifestyle. Yeah, I think an hour is a lot. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the night ones better because yeah. it winds me down to sleep. Well, you know, I, I yeah, it's considering how things went on day eight for me, I'm not sure if that's true <laughs> uh, for me. But I did find one thing, and that is that my afternoon, mm-hmm. my you know, the my best meditations during those ten days. And let's face it, like part of what happens during those ten days is you've spent so much time meditating that you gain some ground that you mm-hmm. almost immediately start losing when you come back to earth I you know, know what i mean yeah like like there's you've just it's it's th- that uh, you you you're building that awareness mm-hmm. of your body and your breath and everything but there's also no stimulation exactly. at the center right there's there's yeah. not all that much to distract you from it no all. i felt myself lose it immediately I, I was living in la i got in the car we hopped on the 101 and there's like five lanes and i'm like <laughs> i can't drive and be this aware <laughs> i'm driving 10 miles an hour in the right lane it's too much immediately your brain has to be like can't handle it. Got to block that out. Got to block that out. Got to block that out. Just so you can function. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That That is, you know, the way we, we you know, th- that's a safety mechanism in our brain not to be taking everything in. And, yeah. You know, to focus on. Especially well, here in New York City. It's like, <laughs> <just>. <laughs> um, but I will say, I did mention that I wanted to mention one of my highlight moments. Mm-hmm. I think it was day six. It was... Maybe day day five, but I think it was day six, where I was having a pretty good Vipassana meditation. Just, you know, the usual thing where I would come to, oh, not feeling anything in my shoulder, going to have to wait there for a while. And then, oh my gosh, my hand is really a lot of sensation going on there. You know, just going over back and forth over the whole terrain. And you know what? Before you continue, you might want to look into what emotions are kept in the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And also this one, the, the the one of them is a little bit injured too. So, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, we all store emotions in different places. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it would be very interesting to take a look at my specific blind spots and see if there's any news on those things. But mm-hmm. in the middle, right in the middle of this particular Vipassana meditation I was doing, I would say like maybe 45 minutes in or 40 minutes in, something like that. All of a sudden out of nowhere... There was this, what, what kind of, if it, if, it, if it were to look like something, it would have looked like one of those fireworks in the sky that is, you know, a bunch of points of light that make mm-hmm. a perfect circle. It was this tingling boom that went off throughout my entire body uh, that just felt like bubbles of electric light inside me like someone had just plugged in a christmas tree and it had this real like like a firework like this boom was that a sankara exploding like you 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 got it what it was what i took it for 
was my mind and body letting me know mm-hmm. that hey, we know that most of your body is kind of hazy, that you're brand new at this, that you're outside your comfort zone and maybe too comfortable on a chair and blah, 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 all all these things where you're thinking you're not doing as good as everybody else. Mm. But here's just a little taste of, if you kept doing this stuff, a sign that, yes, there are some serious sensations inside you. You know what I mean? Like, here's a little, like, preview Mm. of if you were to keep, you know, digging deeper and deeper this stuff is within right yeah well you yeah and you get those because you went from the breath to the feeling the sensations in your body Mm -hmm. so you do feel it get deeper and deeper yeah 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 well you know it was it for me it was always is this a is this a pretty focused meditation or is this a uh a little of a bit of a more hazy one where my mind isn't quite as I don't know, there and really, you know, digging into it, you know. Before you went, were you doing, were you practicing meditation to kind of get in the groove of it? I've been doing this app called 10% Happier, mm-hmm. where for 10 minutes each day, you watch a little, or five minutes maybe, you watch a little video of a, of a meditation teacher being interviewed by Dan Harris. Mm-hmm. And then for five or ten minutes, that meditation teacher leads you on a guided meditation, you know, mm-hmm. f- via audio. And uh, it's kind of a smorgasbord because it's a different meditation teacher every after every two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. So, it's totally different styles. And so, it's kind of a r- variety pack experience. So, there's no way to do that 10% happier app and get really deep right. into anything. It's you more know like what an I mean? introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the, I've heard so very many people say that if you really want to get into meditation, a 10-day retreat is just the sort of thing to get your feet on the ground, mm-hmm. to, to get, you know, uh, lo- at least get some, some experience so that you're, you know, y- your mind and body get oh okay so we can do this you know mm-hmm. yeah you're yeah. gonna do a three-day um well i i, I do want to check out one of these one days that the, that we do have in new york yeah i don't think we have three days here um and i do want to do another 10 day like maybe a year from now i did the last one day and that was here it was just like eight or nine months ago i think oh yeah yeah there's one coming up actually i'll definitely check it out because i do want to keep doing this. I do want to keep digging deeper. I do want to keep also exploring whether or not I can build up the ability to not be sitting in a chair. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the all of the days of his speaking are on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Overall, I would say I definitely had a very, very, very good experience. It was challenging uh, in several ways uh, that were very uncomfortable for me at times. But uh, ultimately, I'm the better for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you got more out of it than microdosing? Oh, um, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of hard for me to even quantify 
what I've gotten out of microdosing exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very subtle. Whereas this retreat wasn't very subtle at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, did you notice uh, thought patterns during the retreat? Uh, uh, other than thinking about butts? Yeah. Was that the main one? <laughs> that, and then going into fantasies that maybe once I got out, we'd learn that Hillary Clinton had, you know, been right. declared the actual president because of some electoral college mm -hmm. nafu. Fantasies, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. What an interesting time to go. Yeah. Into the yeah. retreat. Yeah. 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 Do you think you'll ever go again on a 10-day? Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. And before I go, I want to just like really try to do the practice a lot and see if I can make a lot of good use out of the 10-day. Yeah. Like go when they're already warmed up. Yeah. yeah that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. That is a good idea. Yeah. But it's hard. It, it was very difficult to adjust back to regular life afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Very it, tricky. It's... it's you know, one of the things I, I became very, very mindful of is that, oh my gosh, the amount of time mm -hmm. that I spend on Twitter and Facebook and then just reading news or mm. whatever. Taking all, stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. We're, more than ever, we're just taking stuff in. Oh my gosh. And it really, it, it's very addictive. It's mm -hmm. very, you know, the dopamine comes mm -hmm. from, you know, clicking on this, clicking on that, and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, dopamine comes out of, oh my gosh, what can I be outraged by now? Well, if, know? The, if the goal is awareness, self-awareness, then that's the perfect drug for it, because to take you away from the goal, because it's constant aversion of yeah. self-awareness, you're just taking in more stimulation. Yeah. Oh, look at this, look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tricky, because for me, I can't find the balance. Like, I feel like in my 10-day, I went too far, where I can't function in life like that. You know, I couldn't drive in Los Angeles. I don't think I could walk down the street in New York City being that aware. Right. So I don't know the balance for me of like, okay, maybe somewhere around the third day is where I need to stop because <laughs> then I could live my life. Yeah. But yeah. I can't get that deep with it and then go out and just be like, everything's like a little dart. You know, it's too much to see. It's too much to hear. The noise is too loud. Yeah. The people, the suffering, the craziness, it's all too much. Interesting. So I need to find the balance of it. And that's pretty much what's been, besides the time uh, devotion of 10 days, is like, I'm scared to go that deep again because I don't want to have the pain of readjusting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like when I went to Burning Man. It's like Burning Man was so... It was just all constant elation mm. for those seven days I was there. That when I came back, I got pretty depressed. Oh yeah, that's that's very typical. What they call um, con drop, you know, to mm. to come back from kink camp and stuff like that. You uh -huh. have the exact same experience of oh geez, now everyone's wearing clothes and <laughs> right, yeah. It's almost like taking a drug. It's the, the high's not worth it if the low's just as bad. Right. I know that's my battle with it. But I'm glad that it was good for you. I was I wasn't sure when you were coming here. I was like, I'm assuming it was good, but maybe it was terrible. Well, you know, I wouldn't I would wouldn't doubt it if that there are some people who go and take it and and walk away and do feel like, "Ugh, that was mostly bad, you know." Uh, but I don't think so. I mean, that's certainly not the way that people were talking. You know, people mm -hmm. were oh, yeah. once people were allowed to talk, there was kind of a gush of 
people expressing very different experiences. You know, I wasn't the only one who was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm a total newcomer and I've still got a lot of blind spots and it was kind of slow going. But people were still kind of like, I don't know, very fascinated and very thrilled and very like, this is really, really fascinating what we've been up to here, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that even those who do have rough times with it at times, you know, people who break down crying because of this or that or, or find themselves really resenting this part or hating that part, you know, the singing, the getting up at four or whatever it is, or the, you know, <laughs> my back hurts, whatever it is. Uh, I think that most people probably come out the other end feeling like, oh, I'm better for having... Mm -hmm. for having made it through that yeah just the challenge of it but i what i'm sure you saw people leave did you notice some people not be there on the third or fourth oh day? yes well people i mean i only noticed one person leave for medical reasons but no i think most people that we had about 120 people mm -hmm. um maybe 130 uh, and I know I was not aware of people leaving. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I noticed a few people that weren't there at uh -huh, the end uh -huh, that uh -huh. I noticed, but the only entertainment I provided myself was watching other people and trying to like give them a, a life, like a Oh, of course. Yeah. Every, it's so funny because we all confessed to each other at the end that we had given each other nicknames. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Some guy called me, uh, he said I was the, the well-manicured Van Gogh. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was, it was so funny because they... Have you been told you look like Van Gogh before? Uh, I think, you know, once or twice, okay. maybe. But I, you know, anyone... There's uh, someone today just told just called me Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as Van Gogh. No. Um, but they split everyone, men and women, right? There's mm. supposed to be no interaction during the whole thing between men and women. So uh, uh, they separate the two sexes. And it's so funny because the very first day they sit me right. The, they put us in our places. Yeah. And the person right in front of me is a 25-year-old gorgeous asian guy <laughs> oh, no. i'm like well so much for splitting up the sexes <laughs> right <laughs> yep. found a loophole <laughs> right <laughs> well i'm glad you had, did we cover everything i think so yeah yeah i'm glad it was a good experience thank you yeah thank you for recommending it i'm glad yeah i figure you know worst comes to worst if you make it through the whole thing it was just a waste of time which would be hard to believe. Right. I mean, it, 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 I don't think anyone could come out of it without at least feeling like, wow, that was really interesting to have done something so different. You mm -hmm. know, I don't think anyone can come out of that experience without having spent a little bit of time with themselves mm -hmm. in a, in an off the beaten path sort of way, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, I think that a lot of us who do this retreat, you know, like I'm only a few days away from it now, uh, will, I think I'll still be learning stuff from it mm -hmm. beyond this day, you know? Yeah. I started calling it probably the only real vacation I've ever taken. Wow, yeah. So, you know, you take vacations and you go places or you go on a tour or something. Yeah. You're always taking stuff in. But oh, to yeah. vacate your life. 
Yeah. No, so few rarely get to do that. To step off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. We should do a three-day together sometime. Yeah, that'd be something. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. (laughs) Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.